morning as we, we talk about another discipline. And if you go way back, we, we began this by citing the scripture in 1 Corinthians uh, 9 when uh, um, Paul is talking about his, uh, the disciplines. You know, he compares himself to an athlete and the disciplines that are uh, put into practice in order to be uh, a winner, to win. And, you know, as a believer, there are certain things that, certain disciplines that are important for us, and we've been talking about those. And as we move down the list, I want to talk today about activation, activating our, our, our faith. You know, we've got to put into practice. You know, sometimes we can play, we can execute very well on paper, but God says, hey, I want this to be put into practice. I want, that's where you really see and learn a lot about a lot of things. It's when you get out there among people and you invest in people. Get outside the church. I want to encourage you uh, to get outside the church. Get outside the group of people that you feel comfortable with and allow God to uh, give you the opportunity to share Jesus with people who are outside of your normal sphere of influence and outside of your comfort zone. Because that's where the people are. How many know that there are many lost people who are living just outside of your comfort zone? And if you and I don't get outside of our comfort zone, those people are going to die and they will be lost forever. How many believe that God wants to give you a love, and me, a love for the people who are just beyond our comfort zone or way beyond our comfort zone? Because ministry has never been um, relegated to the places where we feel comfortable, where we feel like we are adequate. God wants you to move beyond. There are people who don't know Jesus who are out there just beyond your sense of competence. Because you say, well, I I can't. I don't know how. And you know, there are people who are just, who are in your mission field, who are your assignment, who are just beyond your level of competence or a sense of competence, saying, I, I don't think I can do this. I can't, I can't engage these people. And, uh, you know, they need Jesus. And God's calling you today to those people outside your comfort zone and just beyond your sense of ability. So we're going to talk about a man today, a couple of them, and um, we're going to talk about Jonathan, and uh, you know, when we named our son Jonathan, one of the things that was compelling about that name to us is that Jonathan was a, such a loyal person. He was loyal to David. He was a friend to David. He realized that when David became king, that would be the place that it would probably would, would have been his. And yet he supported David. He was loyal to David. And, you know, loyalty is very big. So we're going to talk about, the, uh, we're going to talk about uh, David. We're going to talk about uh, reference Jonathan. And we're going to talk about a young man named Mephibosheth. How many of you have any relatives named that? Mephibosheth. If you don't like that, you could be Zerubbabel. Right? Methuselah. Aren't these great names? You're, you know, always looking for new names to break, to break into the, the, the ratings of the most popular names. Name your kid one of those things. 
But anyhow, there are things that require activation, and we're going to get into the scriptures here, but there are things that require activation, and they're otherwise useless to us without being activated. How many of you have ever, God forbid, had a credit card? Just kidding. How many have ever had a credit card before? Okay, okay, you don't have to, you know, I don't know how you feel about that. I'm just not, not asking for that. I'm just asking you if you ever had one, you realize it requires an activation, right? It's no good. You can't use it. They won't accept it uh, unless it's activated. And you have to do certain things to activate things. And, you know, our profession of faith lies dormant without activation. If it's not active... It really isn't useful to others. It's not really actively part of the advancement of the kingdom of God if we make a profession and yet there's no activation. You know, we have to intentionally and purposely activate our faith in Christ. We've got to put it, put it uh, into practice. Everything about what's happening here today is, uh, is really about helping us to be active among people as believers, as ambassadors, as benefactors to other people to show kindness. So I want to encourage you today to, to really do a self-evaluation. I'm not here to judge you. And, uh, you know, I put myself up here so I render myself to some level of judgment. When you're a, a speaker, when you come up here, you, you can say, don't judge me. But the fact that you're standing here invites that kind of evaluation. And so, but when, when I'm speaking to you today, you're here. And I will speak honestly to you and directly because I, I try to do that every week, to be honest. How many think that's a good, good quality for a pastor from the pulpit, to be honest? And so I, I plan to do that. I'm not here as an entertainer. I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not an orator of great skill. I'm not, I'm not anything. You know, one of the things that I've been telling people that I've encountered outside the church when I, when I share a compliment with people, which I try to do as consistently and without, without trying to be, uh, I, I don't want to be condescending to people and I don't want to do things just for the sake of doing it. But when I share something, I, I say, and I, I, I'm no one. You said, well, you shouldn't say that. Well, it's not, what I want them to understand is I'm not feeling like I'm looking down at them and I just see some nice quality there that I want to, I want them to realize that I'm just walking where everybody else walks. I'm not your boss. I'm not your, you know, I'm not, I'm not anything. I'm just another. And God has called me and, and given me a word to share with you to help you know that you have been created and designed by a God who does not make mistakes, right? According to his word, he has created you. You say, well, how has he created me? He's created me in accordance with his word. So God wants me to be more active and aggressive. Not aggressive in some kind of bad way, but God wants us to be active in our faith. He wants us to do something with our faith. You know, we can come here and talk shop all day long, but if we're not doing anything out there, this is really being short-circuited. 
This isn't Sunday entertain me for an hour. This isn't stroke me for an hour and then send me out and so I'll exist off of this until I come back next week. What God is speaking in here is meant to change how life is lived tomorrow morning. If you're not walking out of here following what God gives you today with something that you can apply to living this life in a practical, active way among the unbelievers tomorrow, then you have missed the point. So, you know, I, I, I do realize that I don't know your situations. I don't know where you live. I don't know the circumstances. But I believe that wherever you are, whatever your circumstances are, as a believer, God has a purpose for you where you are. And you need to be knowing what, knowing what that purpose is and how it is to be fleshed out. Most of the world will die and go to hell because they have no idea what this gospel looks like in day-to-day life. They don't know what this Jesus is or who he is, you know, because they, they don't see him in the world. And our, when we're talking about activating our faith, it is activating and, and, and that representation of who Jesus is among other people who don't know him. See, you can preach a sermon to an unbeliever outside, out there in the world, but they largely will dismiss it because they want to know what this looks like, not what you say. What are you talking about? You need, you need a savior. Well, what, what does that mean? What do I need to be saved from? You know, you tell me there's a God, but how does that relate to me? What tangible way can you share with me that shows me that it really has any impact on my day to day life? How does it affect me dealing with my past? How does it affect uh, my life today? And how in the world does it affect the road that I've been traveling on? And that has to be fleshed out. That has to be represented among those who don't know Christ. It requires a church who is active in their faith, who is activated, fully activated and fully engaged. So... You know, those who are, are not great, you know, when we serve others, it's because we are grateful and we're thankful. We're talking about Thanksgiving. You know, we can say I'm thankful and we should. I, I, I believe that we should always thank people for what they do. Somebody serves us, thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. I believe that's something that we should be teaching our kids and our grandkids and demonstrating that before other people. Not living a life of entitlement, but living a life that says, thank you. I appreciate not only what you do, but I appreciate you. So when we look at this stuff, if we're grateful, we're serving people. We're doing for people. You know, we, you know, we are, we, I think a lot of times the gift may be largely insignificant that we share with other people because what happens is if, if we're really living this thing out, they're going to begin to look beyond the gift to examine why. Why are you kind to me? Why do you serve me? What's the purpose and why you are engaging me? And they want to know why you're doing it. 
The servant who buried his talent only saw his master as a hard man. He was ungrateful and without any sense of duty or responsibility to this sacred trust, he buried his talents. When Jonathan and his father died in battle on Mount Gaboa, David wanted to show kindness to their family because of his friendship with Jonathan. He also felt led to bless others because of the blessings of the con- and the conquest that God had provided. You know, David asked the question in 2 Samuel chapter 9. He says, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And so when they called him to David, the the king said, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. And then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is a son, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Mekir, the uh, the son of Emil, in Lodebar. And then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Mekir, the son of Emil, from Lodebar. And now Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David. He fell on his face and prostrated himself and said, uh, David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Here is your servant. And David said, do not fear, for I surely, I, I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread continually at my table. And then he bowed himself and he said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, the, the uh, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and his household. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him and shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's servant, shall eat bread at my table always." Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then Ziba said, according to all that my Lord, the king has commanded his servants, so shall your servant do. As for Mephibosheth said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelled in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. And so Mephibosheth dwelled in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. Well, you know, this morning as you read that scripture, um, there's more to the story. And, you know, there's always turbulence in, well, I don't want to say always, but there tends to be turbulence in life and in relationships. So there's more to that story that follows, but this is a beautiful demonstration of kindness. You know, I, I think about David, and, you know, there, there's always, uh, it's always appropriate to serve the Lord out of a grateful disposition. Jesus said, uh, the person who's been forgiven much loves much. 
You know, we've been blessed and much is required of us because God has thus blessed us with abundance. And so when we look at it out of a spirit of gratitude and gratefulness and humility, we, we seek in some way to serve God. And David sought that. He called out for that opportunity. But, you know, the Christian experience begins with Christ. Amen? It is built upon Christ, and it continues in Christ. And Christ is the intrinsic source for everything that we do in life in relationship to others. You know, I think about that. How, how I treat others, how I live among others is an inseparable outgrowth of my relationship with Jesus. It's not two different things, right? It's not. It's connected. It's vitally connected. If I want to do something significant, yeah, that's, I'm getting this Mephibosheth stuff stuck in my lips. I got a Mephibosheth lisp. Uh, anyhow, I think about the opportunities that I'm given every day and it's all part of a grand design. And I don't want to leave stuff on the table, opportunities on the table that God set in front of me because it, it really didn't fit into my, the way I do things. And here, normally, a king would seek out the, the, uh, any, any uh, living, living family of, of, of their predecessors, and they, a lot of times it was customary for them to kill them. That no threat, no alternative claim to the kingdom would be made through that person. And so Mephibosheth represents that opportunity. And he represents however small it could have been that threat to David. I mean he was lame in both feet. Whenever Saul and Jonathan were killed, his nurse transporting him away fell and the, and the baby's feet were crippled. And so we are noted that Mephibosheth will always be known as the lame young man who was brought into the household of David because David showed mercy and kindness to the young man whose grandfather tormented him relentlessly. And you know, a lot of people will not serve others because they'll always point back to the Saul in their lives. But you understand, sometimes in doing that, we overlook the Jonathans. And, Saul's, and, and David said, I'm doing this for Jonathan's sake. And sometimes when we do things despite other people because of what they've done to us, we hurt the innocent people in the middle. And it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth damaging other people. And so if David was so blinded by his sense of, of I need to, to get rid of any remnant of Saul's family, he would have had Mephibosheth killed, and this narrative would have looked much different. But he identified Jonathan in the, in the friendship, in the relationship that he had. And we need to start citing every day the, the inspirations that God puts in our lives for doing goodness to others rather than citing the bad apples and saying that's why I'm not doing anything. There are too many people who, and I can be one of them, who fixate on Saul and do nothing of any real consequence to help others. How many here say for the sake of Jonathan, 
I'm going to show kindness when I have the opportunity to do it. Because there's always someone that we can look at and draw some inspiration from. You know, in Proverbs 3.27, we're told, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. And you know, Mephibosheth's, his qualification for receiving mercy was this. He needed it. He needed it. You say, well, how do I know if people need mercy? Well, you know how I know every person needs mercy? Because that's exactly what God has shown to me. And you and I are only here because of the mercy of God. Don't ever forget that. I remember back when I was a kid, and I'm getting off. I'm going to get back on the train. But I remember uh, there was a man who pretty much ran the church because he was its biggest giver. And he would often say to people, do you know who I am? And, you know, ever since I, I, and I remembered that as a kid because it was just, you know, he would always, when he had introduced himself to anybody, he'd say, do you know who I am? I got to be honest, there's a part of me that loves to ignore people who ask those kind of stupid questions. Because you are worthy of respect as any person would be, courtesy to be shown to people, but you are no different. And you know, David, he sought out this young man out of a heart that was full of grace and compassion. And, you know, he reaches out to this young man to show kindness to him when he could have destroyed him. You know, uh, you realize that Mephibosheth was an easy mark. He could have been eliminated very easily. It had been probably one of those things that would have been done and just kind of swept under the rug that this Mephibosheth, he was lame. And, uh, and in fact, I felt so bad for him that I just put him out of his misery. You know, because sometimes it's easier to do that in the natural rather than to invite Mephibosheth to have a place in your home. Let's get rid of him. Then we won't have this this beggar uh, person. He wasn't really a beggar, but you realize that Mephibosheth had fallen a long way. His grandfather was the king. His, his father would have been the, I, I'm assuming, the, the, uh, the uh, ascendant the prince who would ascend, and Mephibosheth would have somehow fit into that equation, depending on birth and all of those things. But he would have fit into that. And now he he doesn't even have a home of his own. He's living with a a man named Machir. He's He's living there, and really he's trying to hide from David because he realizes that David has every right or, or every, it would be expected of David. I don't know about every right, but he would be, it would be expected and normally that he would exter- exterminate him. You know, David had two aspirations that I just want to focus on for a moment. You know, one of them is found here. He says, is there anyone left in the household of Saul or John, that I can show kindness to? But David had another ambition earlier on, and in 2 Samuel 7, it says, When King David was living in his house, the Lord gave him peace with all of his enemies around him. And the king said to the prophet Nathan, Look, I'm living in the house, this house made of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. 
And yet, that, you know, David had aspirations to build a, a, a house of, for the Lord. That was his heart's desire. That was a noble desire. David had a heart to honor God. And it's, it's a good thing when people have a heart that wants to serve and do something great for God. How many of you want to do something great for God? Something significant. People say, oh, you can't do anything great for God. He's God and you're you. Let me tell you something. The quality in everything that you do is God's hand upon your life. It's his enabling. You know, we sow, we water, and who brings the increase? The God. But here's the thing. Someone is, someone is to sow and someone is to water, and so God can bless it with increase. And when you want to do something great for God, that's a great desire. But understand, what, what is great to God might, might not be what others deem to be all that great. David wanted to build a house for the Lord, and here's what he's told. When the time comes for you to lie down in death with your ancestors, this is 2 Samuel 7, I believe, I will send one of your descendants, one who will come from you. I will establish his kingdom, and he will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. In other words... You, this is wonderful that you have a passion for this, have a desire for this. And not everything you have a passion for is your calling. But you should have a passion for whatever you're called to do. You know, a passion means I can be a support to the persons or pe- person or persons whom God has plugged into that ministry. How many know there is a need for those to support? to come alongside, to support, to push this thing across the line. But in David's case, he had a passion, but God said, you're not building this. And so David had a passion. He wanted to do something great for God. He desired to honor God. He said, look, I'm living in this lavish uh, uh, dwelling, and God, his, his presence is just being transported by tent. He said, I want to build a house for him. And not because David was a bad person in any way, but God didn't have, he, God already had someone picked out to do that. And David assisted and helped in many support ways, but David would not be the man to build. So David could never truly, as any of us, serve God, offer God his service if we are unwilling to serve others. So here's the second request that he made. He said, well, the first one, he wanted, he wanted to build a house. That was his first objective. But then it came down to a smaller opportunity or what seemed to be a smaller opportunity when he said, okay, is there anyone in Jonathan's household living that I can show kindness to? You see, David was a guy who wanted to do something great for God. And God said, no, you're not going to build this, tabor, this temple for me. But there is a young man named Mephibosheth. And maybe what we want to do is much grander than maybe what God will say. You know what? You've got a neighbor across the street that just had surgery. You want to make a meal for them? You want to go over and shovel their snow? Well, God, I want to do something significant for you. let me tell you something that is significant those are the greatest advancers of the kingdom of God on the planet 
The best sermons aren't the ones you'll hear on Sunday. They're the ones you live every day of the week. It's the Word of God living in and through your life. That's the one people are reading. You know, there are a lot of empty seats here today, and they're empty because people are, are maybe out for one reason or another, and for those who would not be, normally be here and aren't here today, they just didn't want to be here. You know, sometimes we think we can change that. We can't, but God can. And how that changes is really when, when, when believers say, hey, is there anyone that I can show kindness to in this neighborhood? I'm going to give you a challenge. If you don't know your neighbors, it's time to introduce yourself. Boy, oh boy, I wouldn't want to be in your neighborhood. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really honest. I, you know, neighbors today are very unneighborly. And there's reasons for it. It's either we don't, they're not our kind of people, we're not comfortable. And again, we get back to that comfort zone and, and God's saying, man, you've got a neighborhood that you've been placed in. You see, David asked, is there someone that I can serve? He wanted to build a tab, temple for God. God said, no. Somebody else is going to do that. And sometimes we, our aspirations are big and we want the big thing. Uh, we want to see this explosive thing happen. And, you know, we say, God, I'll do this. And he says, no, no, no. But the one thing he'll never tell you not to do is to show compassion and kindness. I, I really have learned over the years that the greatest impact that, that I've had is whenever... I minister to people one-on-one. -on -one. I share Sunday mornings, and I hope that God uses it in some small fashion to speak to people. But as life goes on, it's the nurses in the hallways. It's the doctors. It's the families. You know what I'm saying? When I go in, you know, I'm not just going in to fulfill a mission. But in the mission, I might be going to see Jane Doe. But before I get to Jane Doe, I'll encounter a dozen other people. And I'm an ambassador for Christ. How about you? We have appointments and we know where we need to be, but in between our, our appointment and time and where we're at and our destination, how many people are we going to encounter along the way? You sign in for a doctor's appointment. It's a person sitting there behind the desk. You know, what can, we, what can we say? What can we do? And God always gives something to say. Sometimes I, you know, I, I'm just amazed. It doesn't take much to engage people. Honestly, I've never done this before. And Robin, I'm not making a confession here. So I don't want to get beat up or anything. I mean, I tell people all the time, you really look nice today. You say, boy, that'd get you killed. I mean, not just, I tell everybody that. Even if I'm lying. <laughs> because to somebody, they look nice. You honest, I honestly, I see people, they, their whole demeanor changes. You know, people, I see people in the hallways and I say, hi, how are you? I say, you really look nice today. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, it's just being able to, there, there are ways to engage people. 
And it begins by acknowledging them. God, is there someone from the house of Jonathan that I can show kindness to today? I'm so excited. I'm more excited about my personal walk with God today than any other aspect of my life. You say, well, we're not, we're not up there. You're up there. But I like to live this stuff. You know what I'm saying? If all I'm doing is standing here doing this every Sunday and then I don't live it out there, right? You don't want a preacher that can stand here and, well, you know, and I'm not, you have a great exposition, you can do it all, but you have no connection to the people or to the world around. What good is that? You may be serving here in one capacity or another, but it does, and, and there, this is a great undertaking here. This is a great work. You're equipping people. You're showing compassion to people. You're putting your hands. I'm so grateful for all those who serve here. But my challenge today is for those in the household of Jonathan beyond our realm of day-to-day normalcy, beyond our comfort zone, because, you, you know, you, want, you do want this church to fill up, right? That's your heart. I want it to be full of the glory of God first and foremost. But I do want to see this place fill. We're not building kingdoms to ourselves. So what? You know, nobody's going to remember that stuff. Who cares? We're not building this for ourselves. Doesn't matter what we've done. It's all for his glory, but God wants us to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And so we finish up here. I'm going to ask Tammy to come. How can I worship God without serving others? It's impossible. There is such a love born in our hearts and nurtured in, through intimate relationship with God that it becomes natural to do something significant. What can I do for someone else? Jonathan said, why? why? He, said, he referred to himself as a dead dog. I got to tell you, I engaged, I engaged the um, elderly woman the other day, and I, I said, hey, I have not met you yet, and what is your name? And she told me her name, and I said, are you from here? And she said, no, I'm from California. And I said, well, God bless you. You were delivered. Just kidding. I didn't say that, but I thought uh, she, she was here, been here for a couple years. Got to say, I, she, I said, do you have many support family around? She said, eh, I, I have a daughter. And it sounded to me like it was estranged. And I, I leaned over the table and I said, listen, you're not alone. And she said, well, I feel like I'm alone. And I said, well, I want to tell you this, that God will never leave you alone. And he's he's told me, he's telling me not to leave you alone either. That doesn't mean I'm I'm not moving in, Rom. I'm just, uh, I said, I'm going to see you often and I'm going to be after you all the time to remind you you're not alone. That you're loved. You mean something to somebody. See, this is my, this is where I thrive. I love this stuff. I love that part of life. And um, it's not churchy, not churchy. A lot of these people, there's atheists, agnostics, people who just don't care. 
but they're the broken people. And you know, my passion today is not just because of that individual or that person. It's just my heart aches because I've gotten so far away from it. I had to get beyond the system, the structure. I want, you know, I've told my wife this for years. I said, you know, if at the end of it, everybody fires me or I move on, whatever happens in life, you know, I'll be all right as long as I can have an opportunity to serve someone somewhere. Because when I leave this world, I've got boxes and boxes of sermon notes that I never got through. Uh, You know, half sermons here and there, but you know. Uh, That just gives me more for some other time, but who cares? Who cares? If we're not touching people, if we're not where people are, and we're not intentionally sharing Christ, I mean, I share these experiences that I've gained because it's really been helpful to, for me here. Because I've had opportunities to laugh with people, to shed tears with people who really have no advocates, have no one there. And I feel so good about that. We're doing a grief share ministry with people and I'm going to implement that here too because there are people who grieve right and we don't know what to do with those people you may think revival everybody comes jumps shouts does somersaults rolls around and then they go home to an empty house we've got to do better at administering to and investing in people in a practical way I'm not saying me me You take that for what that is for you. I'm so grateful for all who serve here. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And today, you know, why should today be any different, right? I probably made a mess of the slides. I'm sorry. I can't. That's who I am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry for who I am. I mean, I'm not sorry for who God is. I'm just sorry if I've gotten it wicked somehow. I'm going to ask you this morning as we pray, how many of you just say, Lord, I'm, you know, I, I, I might have these huge aspirations. And yet I've never seen them realized. I've never, you know, someone spoke over me. And I, I, I receive things that people speak over me when they bear witness to what God's spirit inside of me is saying. I receive what people say to me when it's consistent with the scripture, the word of God. But I've had a lot of things spoken over me over the years that I have come to understand that in some way they may have applied, but really God's calling into my life is pretty clear. this stage in my life, and I'd never know, nobody knows, there's, I'm going to ask you if you would, you'd pray with me this morning, there's a a 50-something-year-old pastor 
uh, from uh, Shea Gap, Pennsylvania, Assembly of God pastor, who is uh, right on the threshold of death because of COVID. He's got laying face down in a bed with uh, hoses and tubes and wires and machines and his lungs are, are they're functioning at a very, very low level. And, uh, you know, I just say that to say there's so many different situations and we can't touch all of them, but in some way we've got to, we've got to become aware of things. And as we pray, the first thing I want to do, his name is Barry. Lord, we lift up Barry today. We lift him up and we ask, Lord, as the man has been a servant of God, he has served this church, his body, the body of Christ without fear. And Lord God, he's been bold in his declarations of who you are. And Lord, we pray for healing for his body today. We pray for a miracle today. Lord, they said uh, that he has a 20% chance of living. Lord, but with you, it can quickly be 100%. And we pray for 100% today for Barry Brown. We pray for him, Lord, that you would touch this man's body, that you would open his lungs, that you would bring healing, and there would be improvement through the course of this day. And Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. How many here would just say to God, is there someone in my family to whom I can show kindness? Is there someone who would be one of the least of these, a, a, John, a, a Mephibosheth, lame in both feet, to whom I could share kindness with? Is there an enemy to whom I can share kindness with? Lord, help me to hear you when you tell me who it is and help me to be obedient when I do it. And Lord, help me to keep my eyes on you so that whatever the response might be, we will just simply release that gift, that service and put into activation our faith without cost to someone else, without expectation from them that we show kindness Lord, we show kindness to those who consider themselves to be the dead dogs. Help us, Lord God, to be part of restoring people. Lord, you use David to restore to Mephibosheth things that were lost because of his grandfather and his death. And you brought restoration. And Lord God, you, you, you used David to, to bring together and to network others to serve the practical needs of this young man. Lord, you used David to show a place at his table. And I'm so glad today how many I have a place at my father's table. He looked at me when I was broken. He looked at me when I was in hiding. He looked at me and he said, I know you're there and I wish to show kindness. Don't be afraid. I didn't come to kill you. I came to save you. I didn't come to condemn you. I came to liberate you and to justify through my blood. Lord, we pray for those that you're going to show us. How many here know that the the quickest way to the growth of God's kingdom is through one-on-one? One-on-one, not mass, mm -mm. not even doing church. Honestly, let's take a look at this thing. If we were to look back over the last year and say, hey, uh, we've done church within a certain model, 
how has that advanced the kingdom of God? I lived my life within a certain model. How has that brought increase into the kingdom of God? And Lord, if that model is hindering our ability to reach those outside the church, Lord, help us to just walk out of the gate and say, Lord, we're, we're not staying here. We're going out with you. As Jesus must needs be go through Samaria, Lord, we've got to get out there among the others. How many will receive that assignment from the Lord today? You know, David said something and he kept his word. Now, you can make a promise to God today, and that's easy to do. If you make a promise to God and yet you, 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 just, you just set it aside because it doesn't fit into your, into, your, into your comfort zone, your time frame, then you didn't do what David did because David made a, he made a, he made a promise to Jonathan and he kept it. He kept it. We need promise keepers. Not just men. We need women who are promise keepers. Men who are promise keepers. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, today is the day to give your heart to him because he cares about you. It doesn't matter how dirty you are, how broken your life has been, where you, what, where you have failed. There's a God who is saying, I want to show kindness to you. I want to bring you in. I don't want to chase you away. I don't want to beat you up. I don't want to hate you. I want to love on you. I want to receive you. I want to invite you into my, into my, into my household. I want you to know that there is a place for you, a seat for you that is there for you. And I want you to come and to receive that place. I want to redeem you. I want to love you. I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I want your life to be in my house. If you don't know the Lord, here's all I'm going to say. Let's just pray together for a second. Father in heaven, I I know you love me. I don't know for sure how I even know that because maybe I've never really been introduced to the gospel, but I always believed that there was something more for me. And I believed that there was someone who cares about, just couldn't rightly put my finger on who it was, but I know today that it's God. And I know that God loves me so much, and I don't know how I know that. I just sense in my heart that he loves me more than I thought he did or thought he could. But he loves me in such a, such a saving, graceful way that, Lord, I want to lay down all of my failure, all of my fault, my sin. I just want to lay that old life, that life that I've been living, I just want to lay it down because nothing in that has for me what I believe that you have shared and made available today. I receive grace. I receive forgiveness. I receive newness. Lord, uh, uh, Mephibosheth was dirty. He was crippled. And Lord God, he was cleaned up and he was given a place at the table. Lord, you wash away our sin. You wash it all away. It doesn't matter how bad it's been. It doesn't matter where it's been or who it's been with or whatever it's been. God, you forgive The blood of Christ washes away every sin because Jesus, he came to die on that cross so that he could pay the penalty for my transgressions. And when he came out of that tomb on that resurrection morning, he came out for me 
so that when I, Lord God, am laid, my body is laid in the earth, Lord God, that there is a resurrection for me as well because Jesus has made that. I receive full pardon. I receive forgiveness of sin. I receive a new place at your table. And thank you, Lord God, I'm being treated as one of your children. Hallelujah. Just receive that. And let that be the first decision that you make and the most critical one you make. And the second most critical one is that you begin to walk in it. You begin to take steps forward into that life. Get connected with other believers. Build friendships that are healthy and not destructive. Get in the Word. Get in the Word with people who will help guide you into a deeper appreciation of why that Word is foundational and life-changing. Hallelujah. Tammy, you know, I just feel like I want to just take a moment to worship the Lord with all of these who have said, I want to do something great for God. How many will say that with me? I want to do something great for God. Come on. I want to do something great for God. I don't have low aspirations, Lord. I'm not, I'm not aiming for mediocrity. I'm, I'm aiming for divine excellence. And somebody that'll say, is there anybody out there? And we know the answer to that. Is there anybody out there whom I can show kindness to? Will you say that with me? If you're going to say that, don't just say it because it's a, a big invitation. Come on, let's say, is there anyone out there? I can't hear you. Is there anyone out there to whom I can share kindness? And here's the last part of that. I commit to showing kindness. Would you say it? I commit to showing kindness to those whom you reveal to me. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.